0: Well Some of you may be old enough to remember, but as I look out over you, probably not. Many of you uh, are old enough to remember the use of meters, meters, on television, uh, game shows and variety shows, particularly in the 1950s and, and '60s. There was the laugh o meter, and it purportedly was able to measure laughter. And hey! It was the 1960s, <laughs> so we believed it could, and maybe it really did. We were just fascinated by the, the technology. You probably know how it worked. Uh, there was a machine similar in design to a car speed o uh, that registered laughter with a needle. The greater the laughter, the higher the needle rose as it moved from zero to 100 there was also the applause-o-meter, and it measured applause. Obviously, the goal was to get the audience to laugh more or to applaud more. And the one who got the most laughs or the most applause won the prize. Does anybody remember the laugh-meter, the applause-meter? Anybody? All right, now, I want you to imagine a different kind of meter. It's called the depend-o meter. And this meter measures how much you really depend on the Lord. On your meter, where would the needle be in relation to the zero or in relation to the 100? Does it measure, does it register most days or does it in fact many days Just remain flat. C.S. Lewis writes in Mere Christianity, You may forget that you are at every moment totally dependent on God. You may forget that you are at every moment totally dependent on God. This morning, I don't want us to forget. I don't want us to forget I want us to remember. Remember how dependent we really are and why. Here's why. Because dependent people pray. Because dependent people get the prize. And the prize, the best prize, the greatest prize, it's Christ. And so the more we depend on him, the more we are with him, and the more we have of him. This morning, I want us to feel our need. I want to feel our dependence. Because it is true that dependent people pray. And you and I, we need to be devoted to prayer. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we come once again to Acts chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn there. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. And as soon as you've found Acts chapter 2... I'm going to invite you then to stand. We love to honor the Word of God by standing for the reading and for the hearing of it. Acts chapter 2, beginning in verse 42. This is the Word of the one and only true and living God. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord, the Lord added daily to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. We ask now for your promised blessing on the reading and the hearing of it. Father, because we've been in your word today, I pray that we would be people who depend totally on you, because of that, people who are devoted to prayer. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. Well, here we are now in our tenth Sunday in our study of the means of grace, and our third week in studying this means of grace called prayer. And I return to prayer again this morning because we need to look not only at what prayer is or how it is we're supposed to pray, but our motivation for it. Because look, it doesn't really matter if our theology of prayer is perfect. It doesn't really matter if we have figured out the mechanics of prayer, how exactly it is that we should do it if we don't actually ever get around to praying. For 10 weeks now, for 10 weeks, we've heard from verse 42 that this church was devoted to prayer. Why? Why the devotion to prayer? The early church was devoted to prayer, at least, at least, because they knew themselves to be utterly and unashamedly dependent on God for all things. And they embraced the reality of their dependence. This is the reality that each one of us here in this room need to embrace this morning. We are dependent people. Really. So first this morning we're going to talk about the reality of our dependence and then secondly the challenges uh, to feeling like we are dependent people. First the reality of it. The, that the early church embraced this dependence on the Lord. It's reflected in the very first prayer that we have recorded, the first ever recorded prayer of this early church. It's found a couple of chapters over in Acts chapter 4, verse 24. And their prayer began like this. Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and earth and the sea and everything in them. The words translated here as sovereign lord, actually in the Greek, it's just one word despota. despota. And you can hear, of course, our word in English, they are despot. And though despot is quite often negatively connoted to our minds and our hearts and our experience because we see that most despots are malevolent instead of benevolent nevertheless this word despota it's powerful it's powerful to remind these prayers of their position before the lord it's a position of dependence god is god the creator of all things, He's the despot of heaven. They are not God. And if you live under a despot, you must depend upon that despot who is in complete control of everything, and so their prayer demonstrates this dependence. Despot of heaven, they pray. But it's not only the words that they pray that speaks to their dependence, it's also how they pray. Verse 24 of Acts 4 tells us this as well, that they lifted their voices together to God. They they lifted their voices. Now, I don't believe that that means that they all started to shout at the same time. So you good Presbyterians can relax. (sighs) Ain't going to be no shouting up in this house this morning, but that might not necessarily be a good thing. Instead, I... Picture this as corporate, open hands, open face, moment, as they look toward God, the despot of heaven, and they pray, O oh, sovereign Lord, because they knew they were completely dependent on the Lord. This same word lifted. It's used to describe how Jesus prayed in John. Chapter 11, he's standing at the tomb of Lazarus, and the stone has been rolled away from that tomb. And before Jesus famously cries out in that loud and commanding voice, Lazarus, come forth. Before that, Jesus prays. John tells us that Jesus lifted his eyes, and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. This is unquestionably an open hand, open face moment. As Jesus lifts his face, his eyes to his Father in prayer, here he is, the Son of God, dependent, Dependent on his father to do this miracle. And Jesus said this in his prayer these words. He says, Father, I said these things on account of the people standing around that they might believe. Here we are, not standing, but sitting, listening to the words of Jesus' prayer, looking at the posture of Jesus' prayer. So now, do you believe that you too are dependent on your Father God for all things? Do you believe it? Then lift up your eyes. Lift up your voice. What does the psalmist write to us? I will lift up my eyes. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the... My help comes from the the maker of heaven and earth. Embrace your dependence as the early church did, as Jesus did, with uplifted voices and uplifted eyes, looking toward the source of their help. Let's move this needle on our depend meter a little further. As we listen to these verses from the word of God. Acts chapter 17. For in him we live and move and have our being. We are dependent. So we must pray. Hebrews 1:3. Christ upholds the universe by the word of his power. Christ upholds the universe. We do not. We're dependent. We must pray. As you heard earlier from Colossians chapter 1, For by Christ all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, all things were created through him and for him. And in him all things hold together. If it's Christ who holds all things together, Who does not then hold all things together? You don't. I don't. And yet what do we so often advise each other? Dude, get it together. Keep it together. Hold it together. Well, if in Christ all things hold together, then it's Christ who holds you together. It's Christ who holds me together. We should not look to ourselves to hold it together. No, we lift up our eyes We lift up our voices. We look up to Christ. We pray, Lord, you keep me together. Right? We're dependent. So we must pray. Jesus couldn't say it any more clearly. He couldn't say it any more directly to you and to me than what he says to his disciples in the upper room on the last night of his life. Jesus says, I am the... Vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Not some things, not a few things, no thing. Apart from Christ, you can do nothing. By God's design, we are dependent people. You're dependent. I'm dependent. And dependent people must be devoted to prayer. So check your life. If you aren't praying, much... Even if you acknowledge that you are dependent, you don't really believe that you are dependent if you don't pray. And if you aren't depending on the Lord for all things, why not? Are you self-sufficient? Do you believe you can handle it all yourself? See, these are important questions for us to answer. Because the answers have wide-reaching implications for who you believe yourself to be but especially for what you believe the gospel to be and your belief that maybe you can go it alone famous 20th century preacher one of my all-time favorites martin lloyd jones says we must come we must come back to the soul and to the god who made it We were made for Him. We were meant for Him. We will never come to rest until, like that needle on the compass, we strike that northern point, and there we come to rest. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. We depend on God for all things. That's our reality. And when you and I are utterly and unashamedly free to admit our dependence that that's our reality then just maybe maybe you and i as individuals and as a church will be devoted to prayer as was this early church let's move on now not uh, just the reality of our dependence but the challenges that you and i face in really being dependent people i think the biggest challenge uh And therefore, the biggest reason that we don't go off into the despot of heaven is because we just don't feel very dependent. I was looking at a chart this week that breaks down uh, the world's wealth. 29.9%, almost 30% of the wealth of the world is right here in the United States. That number is high. Considering that in second place is China at only 17.7%. We're a country of great wealth. I'm not suggesting that every person in the United States is wealthy. I'm just suggesting that for most people, it's difficult for us to, to feel very dependent. Most of us, most of us don't have to depend on the Lord for our daily bread. Even if we don't ask him for it or thank him for it, we eat. We don't have to ask the Lord for clothes or blanket to keep us warm. Because even if we don't ask him for it, even if we don't thank him for what we have, you and I have clothes to wear. It's just that we don't live in an, in an environment that, that evokes or, or breeds a feeling of dependence. Too often, you and I use all the many, many blessings that God pours out on us to to distance ourselves from God, the God who gave us those gifts. And we use those gifts in order to become independent from God. That just seems to be the natural inclination of our hearts. Take the good gifts from God and then live independently from him we take the good gifts from god and then we live independently from him that seems to be what the disciples did listen to this story before jesus sent out the 12 on their very first ever mission he gave to them he gave them power he gave them authority And with these gifts that God had given to them, they could cast out unclean spirits. They could heal disease and sickness, and they could proclaim the kingdom of God. You can read the account in Mark chapter 6. The trip was apparently a huge success. The disciples used those gifts that the Lord had given them to make a big difference the kingdom of Christ. But I think, perhaps, with their success in using the gifts the Lord had given to them, they begin to use those gifts to become independent of the Lord. Fast forward to Mark chapter 9. There's a man there with a young son. And this young boy had a spirit that made him mute. And whenever the spirit seized him, scripture says that it threw him down. And the boy foamed and gritted his teeth and he became rigid. So the father brought this boy to the disciples for help, for the spirit to be cast out. But guess what? They were not able. That's what scripture says. They were not able. To help this man or heal this boy. Not able. Hmm. Isn't that the power? The same power that Jesus had given to them earlier? And so, I picture these disciples commanding this unclean spirit. Get out. Get out. Commanding the little boy. Get up. Get up. But nothing happened. Did they forget Be dependent. Jesus arrives on the scene. And the father of the little boy reports all that had happened. And of course, immediately Jesus casts out the spirit and he takes that little boy by the hand. Everybody else thought the boy was dead. Jesus takes his hand and and he lifts him up. And so when the disciples were alone with Jesus, they asked him, Why could we not? Cast out the spirit. And Jesus replied, This kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. Now what question is left hanging in the air? If the disciples had prayed, if the disciples had prayed, would they have been able to cast out the unclean spirit? I think the answer must be yes Because Jesus didn't say, oh, this kind only I can cast out. That's not what he said. No, he said this kind is driven out only by prayer. So it seems to me that the disciples took the good gifts that Christ had given to them and they depended on those gifts and acted independently of the giver of the gift. They did not pray. What about you? So I'm asking myself, what about me? God has given gifts to us. He has given to us the gift of faith. Romans 12.3 says, We each have a measure of faith that God has assigned to us. He's given us faith according to his good measure. He's given us gifts of grace. Ephesians 4, 6, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. The gifts of grace for each one of us. He's given us us His Spirit. Jesus says in John chapter 7, Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, and we have received. God has deposited his Spirit in our hearts. The Spirit, a gift of God. Faith, a gift of God. Grace, a gift of God. How are we going to use these good gifts? To foster dependence from God or dependence on him. To work that we will never have to bother God again. Is that how we're going to use the gifts? I know it's true for me. And I hope, well, I, I really I hope it's not true for you. But it probably is. I think we have this tacit goal of ordering our lives every day so that we really don't have much need. A good day, a good day for us is when nothing happens to to ruffle our feathers or trouble our waters. In other words, we love a day when nothing happens that makes us really depend on God. We tend to avoid things in our lives that we consider to be beyond ourselves and beyond our ability. We tend to avoid those things that if they are to be done, only God could do them. Now, that takes faith, doesn't it? To move out and do something that you know won't be done unless God himself does it. Because we don't want to be needy. We don't want to be dependent. And if we don't feel dependent, then we don't feel much like praying. I wonder how many our failings are, failings like the disciples here in this story, because you and I take the gift, but we neglect the giver. We take the gift, but we neglect the giver because we do not pray. The truth is that by God's grace and only by God's grace, our lives work pretty well, even when we don't pray. But how much better might our lives work? How much better might they look? How much more might they flourish if we would acknowledge our dependence and pray? One more example from Scripture, and I'm done. You still good? This is Revelation chapter 4. And Jesus invites the Apostle John, this is what he says. Come up here, come up here, and I will show you. Isn't that really what prayer is? You know, coming into Christ's presence, looking at what he will show us about himself, listening to the words that he will speak to us. Come up here, come up here, I'll show you. And here's what Jesus shows John first. very first thing that John sees is the throne of God, the seat of the despot of heaven. So here it is, first things first. The centrality and the glory of God and of his Christ in all things. In chapter 4, God is enthroned. As the creator of all things. In chapter 5, Jesus, the lion and the lamb, enthroned as the redeemer of all things 17 times. In chapters 4 and 5 of Revelation, we find the word throne. First things first. We must fix our eyes on the king, our despot in heaven, upon whom we must depend for all things. Are you getting the point? <laughs> A king who invites us to pray. To come up. Look. To find in him all that we need, all that we lack if he doesn't provide. My prayer is that we would be devoted to prayer. Like the early church, not because we have to not because we feel guilty if we don't, not because we're afraid someone is going to ask us if we did, but simply because we must pray, because we realize that we are so dependent on Christ who sustains all things and holds all things together. Your senses are going to tell you otherwise. I don't feel needy. Your experience will tell you otherwise. I don't appear needy. The world will tell you otherwise. They will offer this chant to you and tell you to say it over and over in your life. If it is to be, it's up to me. Kind of catchy, isn't it? And that's what the world says. If it is to be, it's up to me. And we think that's just amazing. Let me tell you, that's a lie. That's a lie. Here's the truth, the truth from God's word. You are dependent. I'm dependent. And dependent people must pray. Dependent people are devoted to prayer. They enter the throne room often because they find Jesus there. Remember the prize, the prize But the most devoted prayer is Christ because you have more and more of him. He's the one we need every hour, every day. He's the one we have every hour, every day. C.S. Lewis says, Relying on God has to begin all over every day as if nothing had yet been done. Relying on God has to begin all over again every day as if nothing yet had been done. We are dependent, so let's pray. Father in heaven, we pray now because we're dependent. And we say, if it is to be, Lord, it's up to you. If it is to be, it's up to you. Father, impress upon us our great dependence. Lord, for the sake of the gospel, that's what the gospel is your goodness to needy people, your goodness in Jesus toward people who could not do it on their own, could not act well enough, speak good enough, be good enough, do good enough. We can't, we can't, Lord, but Jesus can. It's the gospel. If we deny our dependence, Lord, we deny the gospel. And so we pray, Lord, that you would make us dependent people. So that we come up and see Jesus, our great prize. Provide for us through him, we pray now. In Jesus' name, amen.